one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar program. Glory for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Time has come, I believe, when the message needs to be brought. And I have a number of texts I'd like to share with you. The first one will be found in the book of Romans chapter 1, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 gives the picture of the world as it is now, right now. I've been reminded by newspaper clippings that have come this week that uh, surely Jesus will come real soon. And uh, I don't see how anybody could doubt the soon coming if they'd read the Bible. However, when you read the newspaper, you'll not be reminded of the coming of Christ unless you were to read it in the light of the Word of God. And if you read the Word of God very much, you'd throw that thing away. That's the truth. It's just so cheap compared with what God gives us in His Word. Such a waste of time for God's people to read such trash, just such trash. I got a clipping, and tomorrow afternoon, I think, or maybe tomorrow night, we'll uh, share some of these things. But a little boy, a little boy three years old, and the newspapers gave tremendous space to it, that smoked seven cigars a day. And they brag about it. And he, he rolls dice, drinks beer, and smokes cigars. And the mother very uh, proudly said, uh, men give him the cigars. They're glad to give them to him, you see. And they put that in the paper. The paper that wrote that ought to be thrown in the penitentiary. Could I get an amen? amen. Man, what's the matter with you folks anyhow? I mean, that's killing that little boy. I mean, that's murdering him. That's what I'd call uh, uh, contributing to juvenile delinquency. Why don't you throw them in the pen, close them down? I mean, blast their printing presses off of the face of the earth. You'd say you're too hard. Hard nothing. I'm interested in a little boy. I'm not interested in the trash of people that pick up the garbage sheet and read it and spend time. I'm concerned about that little fellow that's three years old. He'll never develop like he ought to. His little lungs will never be as strong smoking seven nasty, stinking cigars every day. So I'm just against trash like that. And I'm going to say it publicly and on the radio. Mothers and daddies, we're stupid and silly and sinful and sorry to support a dirty, low-down, snakish crowd like that anyhow. You let them quit doing that to our boys and girls. You wait till that little boy. They'll throw his name in the paper later as a criminal. They're making a smart addict and a beer a drinker and a gambler and a cigar and tobacco user out of him, and you wait just about 12 years from now when the little boy gets 15. They're going to be like uh, this little boy out here at Lubbock. Anybody ever lived in Lubbock? They just shot a boy dead on the school ground out there. Put it on a curfew. And uh, the school is rapidly becoming our most violent place in America. What else could you expect? We kicked this old book out of it, so we knocked the governor out. We knocked the restrainer out. We knocked the purifier out. We knocked the reverence for God out. What are you going to expect out of a dirty school system without a God and without a Christ and without a Bible? They have nothing left but the devil and infidelity. Violence has got to come to that campus. It's going to get worse. 
I think it'll get so bad that maybe the people will take their children out of school. You say, what are they going to do? What The state couldn't do anything about it if all of us just rose up at one time and said, we're through with it. I mean, I'm through to sacrificing my little children on the altars of infidelity and lust and filth and, in, and all the rest. I just wouldn't do it at all. I'd rather die. Heaven's pretty near anyhow. Oh, listen, you know good and well, practically every girl out of nearly 100 girls sitting here, nearly every one of you started off in trouble in your school system. Nearly every one of you. That's where you got in trouble. All right, Romans chapter 1, and uh, it's verse uh, 27. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Clipping came this week where a Methodist preacher performed a ceremony for a couple of men. They got married and on their honeymoon. I tell you what, Lot would be embarrassed to pieces if he had to come through here. I mean, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, why, they were like Sunday school parties compared to what is happening in America. I do not believe there's ever been a generation that would endorse it by the ministry and build churches for them and recognize them and perform ceremonies and get them married. I got news for those two reprobates. There's no way for them to get married. Marriage is of God. And God, as, lo as, as big as God is, there's no way for God to put those two rascals together. And I tell you, you can shoot me for saying this, but brother, my Bible said that sin, and God said, I hate it so bad, I'll burn two cities off of the map about it. He did, too. And God just don't change his mind about sin. So just go ahead. I'll guarantee you one of these days God will bring you to a screeching halt. And so here these men were. Their pictures, they put them in the garbage sheet, the paper. That's right. They stuck them right. They stuck their pictures up, you know. And uh, both of them looked like sissies. And there they are. They advertise them, see. That, that, don't you know that pleases the world of flesh and the devil? I never dreamed that stuff would ever go in a newspaper. I never dreamed that that would be recognized and they'd have so-called churches and preachers. I'm talking about... I'm talking about something tonight. We'll come to it in just a moment. Turn to the book of Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. 7 and 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Or by no means. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Turn to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. 78, and it'll be verse uh, 18. This is a rather long psalm. Got a lot of wonderful things in it. God reminded them of a lot of things uh, in this psalm. Verse uh, 18, and they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their what? Lust, not for their life, not for their health, but for their lust. They lusted. You know what lust is? You know what the definite, what I'm, I'm, I hadn't thought of this, but lust is wanting something that God does not want you to have. And it's wanting something that you do not need for your spiritual benefit. That's lusting. It may be lusting after a dollar bill or a thousand dollars or a boat and a motor or a house or carpet. It may be, you don't just have to lust after the opposite sex. There's lust. Achan lusted. He looked and lusted and took and died. And his whole family got killed because of his lust. Well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read a number of passages here. I, I got this together today. I mean, by that, it, it, it took on a new meaning because I hadn't seen it together with this 13th verse, but I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, 
I would not that you should be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't ignore these things, he said. How that our, all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Same spiritual meat. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And that was soul winning. But he said, did eat all of this same spiritual meat and did all drink, same spiritual drink, for the drink of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That settled the rock problem, didn't it? Isn't it strange that this dirty crowd had come along and tried to make the music, the rock music? But they never spell it with a capital R. My rock is capitalized. I have rock music, but I always capitalize the rock. The old rugged cross, and when I survey the wondrous cross, that's real rock music. That's genuine. All, all the rest of it is shamrock, huh? <laughs> that's right. Well, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. Why? For, the overth for they, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, I wonder what happened to them. Now, these things were our example, were our example to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. They lusted after evil things, and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, God was not pleased, the Bible said, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Well, wait a minute. You mean he, he mentions idolatry and, and he didn't even close the sentence, just a comma and, and, uh, and another little semicolon or whatever it is. He said, as some of it, as it is written, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. They must have made that their idol because he said, uh, Neither be ye idolaters. And so they were having a big time, they thought. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, twenty and three thousand, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they were, are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore? Let him that thinketh, he standeth. Take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Well, that's, that word flee means take off in a hurry. I mean, it just means run as hard as you can run. I mean, just really. He said, let us abstain from the very appearance of evil. The 101st Psalm came into my mind. Let's look at it and see what we find. Psalm 101. Psalm 101. Yes. I believe we read this this morning. I sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And then I want you to notice, uh, down the latter part of the verse of the chapter, he said, uh, I will early destroy all the wicked, all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Now then, let's go back to the third verse and see what he's talking about. Now, David's doing the talking, isn't he? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. There went your television set right there. 
Oh, people, they get to breathing abnormally when I talk like this. They get nervous and say, oh, no, Brother Roloff, not again. Yeah, again. You say, well, Brother Roloff, that doesn't have anything to do with television. Yeah, he got on his uh, roof garden, you know, his uh, uh, beautiful palace top up there, and he looked down, and he saw Hollywood, didn't he? As, uh, you remember that, Bathsheba? He looked, and he lusted, and he took. He didn't consider she's somebody else's wife. Didn't make him indifferent. I'm the king, do as I please. Yeah, but God, I, I think God in his loving way said, you're going to catch it too. You'll be going to a funeral before many months is over, and you'll be bearing your own little baby. Now, you may be King David, and you might have a lot of power, and you might have a lot of officers, and you might have a big marching army, but I tell you one thing, there's some things you won't get by with with me, and this is one of them. And he said, David, you're going you're gonna to be in for a broken heart, and you'll pack it the rest of your life. And so David is saying, what? I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And I believe if I were to paraphrase that and make it brought on up to date and Christians want to practice that, I believe he'd just say today, I'm going to get rid of my television set. David did his, and I'm going to get rid of it. You say, we control it. You're lying. You don't control it. You never have controlled it. I've never known a man to control the nasty thing. You never have me. either. Oswald J. Smith, one of the great missionary preachers of this generation, he said it's impossible for a man to control it. Best way to do it, you don't have to... I, if I wouldn't want to... I could control a rattlesnake, keep him in my living room. I don't think Ms. Wolof would like it, but I could control him. I mean, I'd put him in there, but fiddle, I don't want to waste my time controlling a rattlesnake. Knop his, just cut his nasty head off and be done with him. That's right. No need controlling something you can kill. <laughs> Get rid of it. That's the only way I know how to preach. I've been preaching another way 38 years, and it works. If you don't believe it, try it. Or if you do believe it, try it. Why don't you try it around? Why don't you just go 30 days with God? Walk with him and talk with him. Pick up the Bible and spend the time memorizing Scripture and then see if you're back on talking terms with heaven before months over. I just want to know you think it, will you let it give a chance in your life? You'll never turn back. You'll never. You'll say, praise the Lord for the wonderful blessing. Well, uh, you'd say, move on, Brother Olaf. All right. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 16. This mentions this word again. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust, the lust. I want you to notice out uh, when he told us what is in the world, he uses the word lust twice. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, Pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Second Peter, chapter one. Second Peter, chapter one. And verse four. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of what? the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through what? Lust. Where does the corruption come from? He said lust. Lust brings corruption. That brings, when we lust after the things of the world, brings, brings corruption and it brings destruction and that's where we are now. I got a call today from a friend of mine. I used to pastor him and uh, he called me and said, Brother Olaf, uh, my boss has a boy and he's had everything, and he's uh, got the name of the company name, and he's, uh, he's 19, and he's uh, been, he finished, went to an academy, and he, 
uh, got a brain, and he's not a bad boy. He's a good boy, and and uh, you know that same old story. Saying, said, brother Wolf, would you call him? Would you call my boss and tell him that uh, you'd like to work with the boy? And the boy's moved out of his home, and he's living with a long-haired hippie, and uh, they've been uh, shooting dope. And the daddy, he handed me the same old spiel. You know, he said, he's a good boy. Got a lot of things going for him. You know, and I, I, I realize that the devil's going for him strong. And he's going for the devil. I mean, he 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 just uh, he just never has hit a lick. Doesn't know what uh, responsibility is. And and the daddy uh, he said he just hard to get along with. Said and this man is a judge. Hmm. Daddy's smart and and cultured and refined, you know. And I tell you, it's not culture we need. It's it's Christ. And he didn't seem to know what it's all about. And and uh, he, he said, why don't you just take him with you? You know, just take him in your plane. Everywhere you go, just take him right with you. you know. Well, uh, he, said, uh, he said he hadn't had a haircut in three years. I, I can just see myself with my co-pilot hair fluffing all over, you know. Huh? You know. I mean, that'd, that'd be the day, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, get out. And somebody said, Brother Olaf, is that your daughter? I said, oh, no, it's a young man here. We're trying to help, you know, see. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I wouldn't claim him for a son or a daughter. But wait a minute. I'll give you the straight of it, and you daddies get a load of this. Somebody's to blame. Somebody's at fault. I said he just, uh, said he's stubborn. He's stubborn. Said I, I tell him he ought not to be smoking that dope and taking that the dope, you know. And, and he looked at me and said, well, Dad said you drink liquor. Said about the same thing. Said he doesn't know any better. I mean, he, you know, drink liquor. Well, that's a form of dope. So daddy's hooked himself. Judge or no judge, I'll be his judge. I'll judge the judge guilty. He's ruined this boy. And now then, he wants to rescue his boy after he got him ruined. Well, I said, I'll tell you what, he'll have to come plumb the end of himself before he comes down here because, I mean, there'll just have to be some drastic changes made. I said, could you bring him down? He said, I'd doubt if I could get him to come, even to visit. Ah, oh, folks, mothers and dads, how silly can you be anyhow? I mean, why don't you just wake up and smarten up a little bit and realize that you failed. The daddies are the big failures of this generation. Now, you can talk about the mothers all you want to, and I realize we've got the sorriest brand of, uh, of uh, women on the face of the earth, but it's not their fault. If the men were to stood for God and the preachers that have stood before them and, and drawn the line and loved them and led them and told them how it's got to be around here, I believe the men would have responded, gone home, the wife responded, and the children would have... And I believe that's right. But you see, we've, we've got a generation without God, without Christ, without the Bible, and uh, we just are at the end of the trail. All right. Now then, I want you to turn with me, please, for one more verse. This comes from the lips of the sinless one, our blessed Savior. I wonder what he's going to talk about. I wonder what he'd say about this matter of lust. Chapter 5 and verse 28 say, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This was his platform. He was running for king, you know. And he was talking to his children. And, uh, of course, he's, he's already king. Or I just don't know it. And uh, he, uh, if I know my heart, he's my king. And uh, I've been elected to be one of his subjects. And the Bible told me I could reign with him. And uh, he, so he, he's going to tell us now what his, what his stand is going to be. It's in the fifth chapter and verse 28. But I say unto you, he's talking to Christians now. He said, you've heard it said now that in old time that 
thou shalt not commit adultery. But I want to add something to that, that whosoever looketh, looketh. Aren't we living in the looking age? Everybody's a looking. Everybody's looking. I mean, the newspapers and the ads and the colors and TV and looking, looking, the signboards, the billboards. This is a looking age. Everybody's a looking, looking, looking. But he said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust, to lust after her. Now then, that's the reason women ought not to dress in such a way as to cause somebody to lust after them. And there's not a woman here with a thimble full of sense, but what knows if you dress modestly and like a lady, men will be less likely to lust after you. And you realize, and you better listen to me, when you cause somebody to lust, you're going to be just as guilty as they are. And God's going to hold you accountable for the same sin they committed because you inspired them to lust after you. Now, what did he say? He said, when you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already in that dangerous section of your body, and that's your heart. You've committed adultery in your heart. And brother, that's real adultery. I mean, that's it. That's the daddy of all the rest of it. That's the daddy. If you can keep adultery out of your heart, you can keep it out of your body. Now, that's just plain Bible truth, and you know it. And then you sweet little old girls, you come in here, you haven't got a lick of sense about what to wear. You come in here, you all painted and doctored, and you look like the world, smell like the world, look, act like the world, your little old mini skirts on, and wonder why. We wouldn't put up with those little junky outfits 10 seconds. I'd be ashamed to even sleep in one of them if I were you. I mean, that wouldn't even do for a hospital gown. Why don't you wake up and realize what you've done to this generation? And you mothers that put up with it, you're going to be held accountable before God. You wait and see. Now, I tell you, I tell you when to start making little children put on long dresses is when they're first born. Get them used to it, and then they won't have to rebel when they get older. I mean, every little girl ought to have at least knee length or a little below. Uh, teach them that way when they come up. You say, well, they won't look. I don't care what the, the world doesn't look like anything anyhow. What do you want them to look like the world for? I've seen my generation go down the drain of immorality and sin. And I've seen a whole generation of young people wrecked. Now, if a young person's worth anything, we've lost everything that's worth anything. I believe it's time for God's people to start putting the emphasis where it ought to be. And if we lose a generation of children, they've gone forever. Mothers and dads, can you imagine going to heaven without your children and grandchildren? An old saint called me a while ago from North Carolina, and she wants to come and live in one of our homes. And she said, Brother Olaf, I'm going for surgery Monday. I mean, for examination, x-ray, and then probably surgery Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I'm coming on down. Pray that if it shall please the Lord, he'll let me live long enough to see my grandchildren get grown and saved. I'd like to have the assurance he'll be up there with me, you know. I tell you, I believe heaven will be sweeter when, when all your family gets in. I really do. I, I know there's not going to be any sorrow in heaven, and I'm sure the Lord will put the shock treatment on you and block out and blot out memories if you do not see some of your loved ones there, but, oh, I tell you, I believe he'll sure let you enjoy those that do come. I tell you, I, I used to hear the old preachers preach when I was a little boy, and I'd sit there, and they'd get so happy in preaching on some Friday morning in a revival campaign on shall we know our loved ones when we see them in heaven. And I tell you, those old saints would beam, and their faces would shine and look like semen of old, and they'd shout all over the building. 
and hug one another and have a love feast at the close of the service. So that's a little taste of heaven. But we don't have that anymore. I mean, heaven's just sort of pie in the sky, you know. It's just for the old-fashioned folks, you know. Praise God, I'm going anyhow. I'm just going on anyhow. I mean, I, heaven's a real place. If God wants to build me a home, I want to live in it. I'm heading in that direction right now, see. And uh, we're fixing to build a house over here, Ms. Roloff and I, and uh, getting a few little plans made and laid. But I tell you what, that's not my main home. That's not my main home. I just want to, and I'd never move from where I am, but I'd like to live out here. I'd like to live out in the country, in the edge of town, and get out where it's a cleaner and wooden, maybe get through here at night and get through the conferences and walk across the field over here and be home. And I, I appreciate that. But dear friends, so far as an earthly home, I don't care two cents about it except just a place to lay down and rest a while and get up and go again. But I, I am interested in that other one. I want to be there, and I'm going to be there. Brother, I tell you, I don't understand Paul. I mean, I just never have got that far along when he said, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brother, my kinsman, according to the place. I, I, if, if I understand that verse, Paul got so burdened for lost people. His heart was so broken until he said, I, Lord, uh, I'll go to hell if I get them into heaven. I mean, I'll go, I'll burn forever if that's what it's going to take to get them saved. I, I tell you, I don't mind giving up the trinkets and gadgets down here and little old silly things that don't mount anything, but I tell you, when it comes time for me to say, Lord, he's going to have to put that in me. I'm willing to go to hell with all the devil's crowd and all the liquor drinkers and all the dope pushers and all the immoral and everything that's wrong and sinful and sorry, I'll go to hell and stay forever. If you'll get people, I tell you, that's real burden there. That's compassion. I mean, that's something most of us never will have down here. And Paul, I can't doubt him. He, he proved it. I tell you, he took the lashes and the slashes and jails and prisons and the shipwrecks and the cold, and he shivered a many a night without enough clothes to keep his body warm and then died uh, hanging out under or killed or his head chopped off. And he proved his love. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.